cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 26th of September 2008. Newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website where you can download as many of the talks I've given in the past as you possibly want. There's a big, big wish list there of information. And remember that there are no other sites out there where I authorize my books to be sold. It's on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. So look it up. Also look into AlanWattSentientSentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download and print up in the various languages of Europe. And in talking about uh, the website, I spend time here chasing down people who sell my books unabashedly, unashamedly, and rake in the cash that keeps me going here. They cut it from underneath my feet. They take the bread out of your mouth. And I just found another one that goes under the 9-11 Truth Movement where he's selling my books. This guy is selling my books. So, Alfonso, if you're listening down in Toledo, Ohio, and I've got the photographs of your homes, by the way, you'll know what to do. You better get them pulled very quickly and reimburse the loot that you've stolen from me. Okay? Now, everyone's getting rushed and worried about this big banking crisis, but this had to come. It's planned to come. They don't make mistakes at the top. And this goes back to something that was said by Senator Barry Goldwater in 1979. He said the Trilateral Commission, and the Trilateral Commission is an arm, a big arm, a more powerful arm, a more specialized arm of the Council on Foreign Relations. Says the Trilateral Commission is international and is intended to be the vehicle for multinational consolidation of commercial and banking interests by seizing control of the political government of the United States. The Trilateral Commission represents a skillful, coordinated effort to seize control and consolidate the four centers of power, political, monetary, intellectual, and ecclesiastical, with no apologies. And that was Barry Goldwater in 1979. So what you're seeing today is just the big machine in action as the people get screwed again by the robber barons. Nothing new in that at all. Read your history about the robber barons back in the the 1800s and how the big boys and Morgan and Gold and all the rest of them literally uh, looted the United States with all their pension funds three times in a row, three depressions in a row. That's before the Great Depression of 1920s and 30s. It's a, a common theme with them. They build up stuff and then they, then they just simply loot the country. And that gets me back to the people who do print my books up and sell them. You see, psychopaths are psychopaths in all classes of society. And it doesn't matter if it's the guy on the street, the con man, the little fast jack type, who sees the angle in every 
everything he sees around him, every opportunity, even the ones that are disastrous, he sees like a shark going into to blood, it smells blood. He sees where he can get a, a profit made. And he has no qualms because he doesn't have empathy or emotional compassion. And the only difference between the guy in the street doing that or the guy stealing my stuff and printing it up, the only difference between him and the banker is that the banker is born into a more powerful, well-established family of psychopaths. So the problem isn't just at the top. It goes all the way down to the bottom. And it's all throughout society. Encouraged too by today's culture creation industry. I'll be back with more after this following break. Folks, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. On my website, in the archive section, you'll find links to the Department of Defense's think tank for the UK. This is also the think tank for the NATO countries, and they put out 90 pages of what they could foresee coming in the next 30, 40 years with escalating riots and all of this stuff and how the military will be used on the population. Well, the U.S. has now come out with the same report, basically. They've, they've tidied it up a bit for the American public, not to scare them. And they make you think that this is all for wars abroad. They do mention it's for the, a youth, a youth society that will be growing up in the future with very unruly, unhappy youth they're talking about males, really. And this all ties in again with the depopulation agenda. There's no doubt whatsoever. And this came from the Irish Times. On the 26th of September 2008, says U.S. generals planning for resource wars. This is how they've titled it here. It's better camouflage. See, in Britain, they don't bother camouflaging anything because the public are so beaten down with the the scientific technique of propaganda and bureaucracies. There's just bureaucracies for everything, constantly announcing things on the radio and television that you, you, you're made to be apathetic. And that's, again, what Bertrand Russell said, we should create an apathetic society. Apathy is a very good tool to use in psychological warfare. But in the U.S., because they have better scriptwriters who work in Hollywood and so on, and they do work with these guys, they, and they work, they work too with Madison Avenue, to market the ideas to the public, you get better write-ups, more camouflaged. But it says here, the analysis, the U.S. military sees the next 30 to 40 years as involving a state of continuous war against ideologically motivated terrorists. Now, that's a, a loaded term there because ideology can be anything at all. The, the, the right, having rights and freedom, it could be an ideology, you see. And it is an idea. And terrorism is now uh, expanding to include even verbal terrorists. Speaking out can be terrorism. And definitely speaking out against, against the wars in the Middle East has already been sta stated by Bush himself that is uh, a form of terrorism. So against ideologically motivated terrorists and competing with Russia and China for natural resources and markets, writes Tom Clonan. The General Ray Odierno takes command of U.S. forces in Baghdad from troop surge architect General David 
Petraeus, America has begun planning in areas for its phased withdrawal. Now, that ties right in with the troops being brought back home, the article I read last week, and how they're deploying them to work alongside the police. Well, uh, what do you think that's all about? And you're watching the banks go down at the right times, mind you. They bring them home first and then collapse the banks. Everything is working to plan and schedule. Everything that happens on a major scale is done by plan and it's always on schedule. This is the extra brigade combat teams or battle groups deployed to Iraq by Petraeus have already withdrawn and a further 8,000 troops have been diverted to Afghanistan. That to protect the poppy harvest, you see. In January, the next President of the United States will conclude America's timetable for withdrawal and final negotiations. And then it goes on and down, and down the actual page itself, and you try to find what they're really, really getting into with this 90-page document. And there's also a PDF you can get with the, the whole thing on it. Much deeper scope, more open uh, about it, too, rather than this handout they give to the media. It says, under the auspices of the U.S. Department of Defense and Department of the Army, the U.S. military have just published a document entitled, and this is the, this is the PDF you get, 2008 Army Modernization Strategy which makes for interesting reading against the current backdrop of deteriorating international fiscal, environmental, energy resource, and security crises. The 2008 modernization strategy written by Lieutenant General Stephen Speaks. Uh, how did he dream this guy's names up? He's a speaker. Uh, he drafts up this thing. Deputy Chief of Staff for the U.S. Army contains the first explicit and official acknowledgement that the U.S. military is dangerously overstretched internationally. Well, no kidding. They've been policing the world, all over the world, quietly, from the, the general public, that is, uh, since World War II. So the Army's engaged in the third longest war in our nation's history, and the global war on terrorism has, has caused the Army to become out of balance with demand for forces exceeding the sustainable supply. Against this backdrop, the 90-page document sets out the future of international conflict for the next 30 to 40 years as the U.S. military sees it and outlines the manner in which the military will sustain its current operations and prepare and transform itself for future persistent warfare. Persistent warfare. Ongoing warfare. Remember that phrase you heard at the beginning uh, right after 9-11, 2001? This is to be a hundred years war. The document reveals a number of profoundly significant and worrying strategic positions. Now, try and cut to the chase here to all this per, uh, nonsense, actually. There's just a lot of filler they put in there. It says, We have entered an era of persistent conflict, a security environment much more ambiguous and unpredictable than that, that faced during the Cold War, which again was a farce. Then goes on to describe the key features of this dawning era, dawning era, Mason's love dawns, new dawns, of continuous warfare. Some of the characteristics are familiar enough to a world audience accustomed to the rhetoric of the global war on terror. The current key threat is a radical, ideology-based, long-term terrorist threat bent on using any means available to include weapons of mass destruction. Boy, is that, that get bored hearing that one. To achieve its political and ideological ends. We face a potential return to traditional security threats posed by emerging near peers as we compete globally for depleting natural resources and overseas markets. This thinly veiled reference to Russia and China will 
perhaps come as little surprise given recent events in Ossetia and Abkhazia. Explicit reference to this context of future resource wars, however, will probably raise eyebrows among the international diplomatic community who prefer to couch such conflicts as human rights-based or rooted in notions around freedom and democracy. I like how they word that, which is very true, notions about freedom and democracy. The document, however, contains no such lofty pretenses. The main enemy, it says here, and it's all with for the U.S., the main enemy, and remember what Kissinger said back in the 70s, the enemy, main enemy of the state, as parroted here, is a population growth. It's then they go on a little bit, especially, not, not conclusively, but especially in less developed countries, which will expose a resulting youth bulge. A youth bulge is what they're calling their target. This youth bulge, the document goes on to state, will present the U.S. with further resource competition and that these expanding populations in the developing world will consume ever-increasing amounts of food, water, and energy. The document goes on to describe in broad strokes the manner in which its downsized military might ensure and survival of the fittest for the U.S. and its allies in future resource wars for food, water, and energy. As a consequence of identifying grown populations in the developed world as a threat in itself, the strategy document highlights a number of paradigm shifts in the way future wars are to be conducted. Now here is one of the main parts. It predicts that the 21st century operations will require soldiers to engage among populations and diverse cultures instead of avoiding them. Do you realize what that means? This is total war. Total war means the population are really the target. In World War II, Downing, who was in charge of the Royal Air Force for Britain, targeted most of the bombing in Germany on the workers' homes. That's what was destroyed, mainly. The workers' homes. So that they became fair game. It was called total war meaning everyone in society was a target. The idea was if you kill off the workers, there's no one left to work the factories, even if they spring up new ones. It predicts that the 21st century will require soldiers to engage in population and diverse cultures instead of avoiding them. Now, the Marines are already training, and that was in the Army Times, I believe, uh, guys, soldiers, to go in plain clothes among civilians. That's one of the biggest... Uh, things going right now. I was training for that very, very thing. The document reveals that the new U.S. tactical doctrine provides a template by which air, naval, and field commanders will no longer just secure traditional strategic targets, such as airspace, seaports, and bridgeheads, but will, of necessity, also deploy and fight amongst and against the target population itself to win wars. We have heard of killing fields, and that's what they call them in the military where the troops are sent in and everyone who happens to be in anything that's in front of them is eliminated. The document refers to this euphemistically as commanders employing offensive, defensive and stability or civil support operations simultaneously. The remainder of the document is devoted to describing in detail how a downsized all-volunteer mean mercenary U.S. military numbering approximately one million soldiers, aircrew, and sailors could maintain an ever-present international offensive posture 
in many countries across many time zones. Then they go into how communication technologies and digital technologies will create a new networked human soldier, the future force warrior. Force, oh boy, got FFF, future force warrior, or FFW, who will deploy amongst the target population and will operate simultaneously several remote unmanned ground and air weapon systems. Ground and air weapon system. Remember that also means this, what they're calling uh, modular packages giving the regiments back home in the U.S. of non-lethal weaponry. They're called modular packages. Back with more after this break. Eugenics is all the topic today. The culling back of the population is coming from the United Nations and all other sources and all the NGO groups that are associated with the United Nations, all the well-funded ones that are paid big salaries by big foundations which comprise the parallel government. And this is an article from Louisiana and it was also in, I think, the Associated Press it says here, uh, Metairie legislator proposes sterilization for poor women. And it was from September the 24th, 2008. His state representative, John Labruzzo of Metairie, said many of his constituents were tired of paying for children from poor families, and that is why he's considering proposing are proposing legislation that would pay women on government assistance $1,000 if they choose to be sterilized. He says, you have these people, these people, you see, you have these people who are just fed up with working their buns off to try to provide for their own family. That's how they always bring this argument, you know, this bunch against that bunch, and being forced by the government to provide for others' families who just want to have unlimited kids, he says. That means children. They use animal terms for children. They dehumanize them. And this is an old, old thing that the eugenicists pull up, that you're paying for all that. But they don't, they don't mention that you're also bailing out the banks. They're looting billions off of you. Or they don't mention that the money that governments spend on their military campaigns and their big uh, profiteering campaigns, that's all government is for. It's a front to profiteer by having wars and raiding other countries. They don't mention these things. They always turn it onto their other problem, which is the general population, you know, those that might outbreed their betters, as, as Huxley, or not so Huxley, but Russell and others said, and Charles Galton Darwin. LaBruzzo said, you're studying voluntary sterilization for women whose sole financial support comes from the government in the form of welfare or other public assistance. His idea would be to give the women $1,000 if they had their tubes tied its proposals come under harsh criticism from some civil rights groups. The ACLU called it a misguided and mean-spirited attempt to eliminate poverty by eliminating the poor. Well, of course that's the policy. That's how you get rid of poverty. Remember when presidents have wars on things, the war on poverty and war on drugs. That's a legal statement. It's a war. 
on the poor, you see. Labruzzo said his office had been flooded by emails, many supporting his position. Well, of course he will. We have more in favor of saying, good job, keep it up, he said. Of course, we have had a lot saying, you're going in the wrong direction. Labruzzo said that in addition to the sterilization of women, he would consider vasectomies for welfare dads and tax incentives for higher income families with children in private schools. So there you go with the same old stuff all over again, uh, always to make you feel that you're getting really gouged big time to pay for all the welfare people. And they never mention either the culture industry that's given you a, a, a constant feed from the 60s onwards, a stream of just do it. Sex, 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 sex. They, ne- they never mention that at all. Never, ever, ever. Me- no, they, they blame the effects of things, but they don't mention the causes and those things which promote them. Isn't that rather odd, wouldn't you think? Because it's nothing to do with the, the, the wealthier supporting the poor. That's not the, that's not the thing. They don't want the poor there. They've already stated they don't need them anymore. The jobs they used to fill are all gone. The factories are gone. Now they're simply cleaning up what's left. The human collateral, as they often call it. And just before we go to the callers, here's a, an item that's interesting here. Because I always tell you that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And we always hear about you can do your own thing, but there's no effect left in society. Yet we never really ponder the big problems or what's really behind the ideals that guide policy. Remember, there are big, powerful foundations, like the Council of Foreign Relations, which draft out policy and give it to governments to follow. The Club of Rome states that itself as well. That's part of what they do. We don't elect these people. These big foundations are set up to be the real government. They bypass any ideas of democracy. That is their purpose. And since eugenics has to get society to accept the killing of people, and I've said this and it's not popular, I hear the standard slogans that have been downloaded into people through repetition over and over and over again when I speak about these things. You see, it started with abortion. Once we have no more horror about abortion, they're now moving into the elderly. I read that article last week from that rather aristocratic old, oh, hasty to call a woman in Britain. Now, I read off what she stated about the elderly wanting governments to have the power to kill them off. So there are effects. Individually, there are effects that ripple all through society for our own actions. And we all suffer the consequences. And I'm going to read this article after the following break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
I am Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Before the break, I was talking about how there are consequences to everything in society. And it's very, very true. The society does not like children terribly much. They're a, a hindrance and a bother. Read Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years, and he talks about going through this technique and strategy of how to basically download into people uh, the, the fact that they wouldn't want children they prefer to buy material things and go for the material things in life rather than be tied to children and it's been very successful because the first step in getting the public to accept the killing off of the public is to always have a big emotional topic to debate it's never, it's never done by the public themselves they, they watch experts debate it for them on television and choose one side or the other but that's not the point the point is this is the eugenics plan, and everyone is being used in this big plan, you see. Everyone is used. Because this is an economic system, and they don't like anyone who is not a good producer and consumer, so they don't tolerate young mums with children very well. But they do encourage all the sex that's such a stream of, as I say, since about the 1960s onwards. They encourage all the behavior. You can't turn on much music without seeing it right in your face. It's everywhere. Aimed right at young children. Quite amazing. And we all tolerate this and think nothing about it. The Mail Online, 20th of April, 2007. One baby in 30 left alive after medical termination by Fiona McRae. And it's a picture there of Gianna Jessen, who was born after a failed abortion. That was 30 years ago. She's still alive today. One in 30 babies aborted for medical reasons. Now, that's the term they use for pretty well all of them, psychological or medical. The mother might have a nervous breakdown, and so that does fine. It was under medicine. A study has found they live for an average of 80 minutes, although in some cases, fetuses, which are babies, survived for over six hours. Most of the babies were born between 20 and 24 weeks of pregnancy, but some had been in the womb for as little as 17 weeks. The figures based on a study of West Midlands hospitals has reignited the abortion debate. There's no debate, by the way. It's a must-be by elite. The pro-life campaigners demanding the time limit for terminations be cut. The searches looked at the outcome of 3,189 abortions performed on seriously handicapped fetuses at 20 hospitals between 1995 and 2004. They showed that 102 or around 1 in 30 aborted for reasons such as Down syndrome and heart defects were born alive. And by the way, that's not quite true either because a lot of these tests have false positives and false negatives. But the, and I've got another article on that, which I've not time to read tonight. That people, that mothers are advised they had the abortion anyway. Abortions are allowed to be carried out in the pregnancy shown to have an adverse effect on the mental health and well-being of the mother up until the 24th week of pregnancy. Beyond this point, the procedure is only sanctioned if the baby has a severe disability or if the mother's life is at risk. The latest study carried out by experts from the West Midlands Perinatal Institute and published in the British Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology showed that 3% of aborted disabled babies were born alive. Most of the abortion study were medical abortions. These involve a pregnant or a woman being given a series of pills 
taken in two doses two days apart. The first dose, a single tablet of mifepristone, blocks the pregnancy hormones that normally ensure the womb's lining holds onto the fertilized egg. The second dose of four tablets containing hormone like prostaglandins triggers contraction and a miscarriage. Death of the baby is a result of the trauma of the early birth rather than the tablets itself, meaning in rare occasions some babies may survive the process. Now, here's how they get round this now. <laughs> it's quite amazing when we think of all... I think of Jackson Lowell when I read these, these articles when he talked about all fiction being propaganda. Hospital series and dramas, all fictional, how they're all in the emergency room and they're so professional and how they can bring everybody back from the dead. You know, that's all they worry about. But it's a complete cover. It's propaganda. They alter perceptions. You must alter perfective perceptions in psychological warfare. Here's how you want to get around this, it says. From 22 weeks, it says the tablet should, proceeded, should, be, should be preceded by a lethal injection into the baby's heart to ensure the baby is dead before the procedure goes any further. Guys get paid to do this. And they sleep well. If these babies are born alive, it suggests they weren't given the heart-stopping injection. You know, we've gone on about Adolf Hitler as, as though he, he was the first and last criminal of his type. And yet we accept this in society. And now there are corpses on display in art galleries, hanging on wires. That's how debased and degraded we all are. And that's where it starts. It starts from this and leads on to all of that. Perhaps because the doctor thought it would have been too traumatic for the mother, the figures have followed several studies which show that babies born at 23 and 24 weeks are capable of surviving. But there's no suggestion that any of the babies documented in the West Midlands study lived for more than a few hours. Doctors in Norwich are currently treating a toddler born. They're currently treating. <laughs> Double speak right away. There's no suggestion that any of the babies documented in the West Midlands study lived for more than a few hours. But they're currently treating a toddler born at 24 weeks after three botched terminations. Three times they tried to kill this toddler. He was born three years ago and is still alive. You know, they used to hang people for murder and so on. And if you didn't die the first time they dropped you through the trap door, they'd often let you go free. Here they go at this three times and try to kill a toddler. By giving a lethal injection in the heart. This is, this is not a convicted criminal here. And the toddler's still alive after three years campaigners said it was likely the Midlands figures were just the tip of the iceberg, you bet they will be, as the region only accounts for around a tenth of the babies born in the country each year. In addition, the study only looked at babies whose lives were ended because of disability, and they haven't proven a disability yet either. You should actually see this because a lot of these children are diagnosed, misdiagnosed, and I think it's on purpose too. They have to get a legal clause somewhere on a certificate to do the abortion. As I say, now we've degraded into, let's go for the elderly. You know, you always go for the weak, you see, those who can't stand up for themselves. And then you go for, for, for the elderly. Then you start working on those in between. And because society has been trained 
that it's all quite natural to kill each other off, and we've had this massive propaganda of there's just too many of us walking the planet. We accept this, and we're degraded and degraded and degraded until we cannot survive. We cannot defend ourselves anymore from the elites who have all of this down pat as the plan of their agenda. Quite something. Quite something. The world we live in is disgusting. And here's a, a point I'd like to make too before going to the colors. A point which is important. The elite know they brought us all to this this degraded society. They know they can't keep us all going much longer. But to allow the next phase to come in, they had to degrade us. Because a degraded society won't stand up for each other. They don't care about each other. They're easy targets. They're easy meat. But they also know, they also know that you've accepted death as a part of life, but not natural death. Euthanasia. Overpopulation being used as an excuse and all the rest of it. You accept that. Once you do that, you're destroyed. And that was the intent of this movement many, many years ago. Nothing to do with the rights of the woman. It was the elite who sponsored and funded this. Look at the foundations who paid for it all. Now we'll go to, Stent, to Steve from Denver. Are you there, Steve? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call, Alan. Uh, I want just let me get my question out of the way. Um, you mentioned very infrequently about this 360-degree Masonic situation. Please tell me if you know of any 360-degree Masons, and if so, who are they? There, there is a, an organization at the top that uses different terms that Prince Charles used a couple of times he called them the Olympians and it's a very prestigious high level group of very old families, wealthy old families and of course they, they do the circle as it's called, completion um, you'll see it too on a lot of the symbols put out there even in theosophy they give you an exoteric meaning for the general public, including the members of the lower orders. Well, could you just name one individual? Are you saying Prince Charles is a 360-degree Olympian? I wouldn't say he would be, because I saw him when he hit his 40th, I think it was his 40th birthday, and he went on stage in front of um, uh, all the lords of Britain, who, who all wore their robes and so on. Mm -hmm. He had a glass of champagne in one hand, and then he did um, his little angled degree with his right arm and then he put out straight out from him so he's he's up there for sure but he doesn't have the brains to be in, in the, the higher well category. could you name a 360 degree Olympian you, you can't name them you can only get the names of their organizations okay so you don't know anyone personally that you could put a name on so we can take a look at him and see how, how he's uh, living I, I certainly could but I won't 
Oh, could but won't. Okay. Well, uh, in which case, met, uh, I'll, 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 I'll make a quick statement, met, and that is that uh, we are witnessing the end game. They're buying up the assets at pennies on the dollar, the way they've always done at the shearing of the sheep time, and it's shearing of the sheep time. Yeah. We can sing that along with the uh, Christian bringing in the sheep, only it's shearing up the sheep. That's right. At any rate, the, and lastly, your opinion on the elections. What's going on with the elections and the, and the debate tonight? They're on the red carpet. That normally means that the royal family connected. What's the connection, Alan? Well, the connection is widely known, that the U.S. basically went over to Britain uh, at the Treaty of Paris. And um, most of all, again, don't want to read that treaty, but they should. Um, it was basically an amalgamation. The elite and the aristocracy, and there is an aristocracy in the United States, uh, became part of and parcel of the British Empire and their agenda. And we find that when they set up the Round Table Societies, under Lord, Lord Milfer, uh, Milner, um, and they also had the, the Cecil Rhodes Society. That was the, the group that merged into the Council on Foreign Relations for the United States. That was the final merger. And that is why um, the, the, along with the same policy as Britain, Margaret Thatcher referred to it as her special relationship. And other politicians referred to it as their special relationship uh, all along. Uh, and also the same bankers that run the British system uh, sent Jacob Schiff and others along into running the U.S. economy back in the 1800s. So, uh, and of course Schiff was brought up in, in the, the Rothschilds' home, probably as another uh, uh, child of an, maybe another Rothschild wife, but not this official one. But he did have official uh, Rothschild backing and given respect of a, of a fool, a full-blown Rothschild. So the U.S. was merged into this system long ago. Yeah. Hello? Name an Olympian. <clears throat> I guess he's, he's not there. I know I'm uh, here. Why won't you name an Olympian? Because I know a couple. But what's and the it, problem it is, with saying their name? It's good to know a couple if you want information. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you, and have a, have a nice evening. Thank you, sir. You too. But... Um, that's the whole thing. Uh, there are people who definitely run this world. They've always run this world. They, they, give, they give religions at times to run the system, as they did in the past. You were taught the religion, the only religions you would ever uh, know, and they would be the religions which gave you a meaning for life. It's the only meaning for life you'd have. You know nothing about any kind of science whatsoever. But today, they've given us a new scientific priesthood but they're also merging it with a world religion. And this world, world religion is based on sustainability, greening, the, the whole New Age phenomena. We all worship Mother Earth and all the rest of it. It's wide out in the open. And the culling off of the unwashed masses, they don't want them around much longer. But, um, yeah, I've, I've had a chat with a couple I've met in my travels across the world and you bump into them in odd places on board uh, ships if you're moving and stuff like that and if you get to know them they let little things out the bag with a little a little sparkle in their eye you might say and whenever they talk about something itself assuredly there's no hesitation there's, there's no guesswork involved they just tell you uh, about a specific topic and this is what's going to happen they might not explain the whys or the, all of the how they're going to do it but they just say it, this is how it's going to be. But to be honest with you, all of that stuff is mainstream now. You can just look at the newspapers any day, 
and they tell you what's coming up. It's just that the public really can't believe it. They cannot believe it. It's too big to comprehend that their entire existence has been completely managed, that they have left no loopholes for you to escape to, and that you're at their mercy everywhere you look. That's why they cannot, they don't want to believe it. People are taught there must be a way out of things. In the movies, it's generally a happy ending. The bad guys get killed and the good guys win. But that's not real life. But they still look for the hope, you see. And they always look for hope from someone else, never from themselves, because they're not going to do anything about it. And as long as you're willing to sit back and let others do it for you and not participate, you're doomed. It's as simple as that. These guys have given you your leaders down through the centuries to follow. And for every type of personality out there in society, they have a leader out there and a group for you to join. And you go round in circles forever and ever as you go down the whirlpool and down the drain. You are your own champion. No one else. You are your own champion. And you've got to reclaim the right to say yes or no. And you mean it when you say one or the other, yes or no. And if you have no convictions about right or wrong, then you're doomed. Simple as that. There's Eric from North Carolina. Are you there, Eric? Yeah, Alan. Uh, yes. um, thanks for all your help. Um, speaking on uh, the big lie, uh, are you familiar with uh, Project Bluebeam? Yes. Uh, uh, research by uh, a Serge Monaf who coincidentally died of a heart attack and I was just uh, curious if their agenda you know um, doesn't go as planned that that would be a nice ace in the hole and uh, quicken things up uh, and I was just yeah. thinking on that plan you know they do the invasion kill a kill a yeah. billion or two well, hold on and we'll, we'll, I'll go into that after this break thing. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And to answer Eric from North Carolina, it's true the Blue Beam Project was a form uh, of uh, holography, holographs which were projected into the sky, and they were thinking of using this and even using religious uh, themes and give you sky pictures at night, uh, pictures which would uh, convince many people. It wouldn't take much today uh, with the New Age and all the rest of it that this was real uh, because religion's always been used down through the ages uh, look at um, ex-Prime Minister Brown in, from Britain who is leading this movement to bring all religions back together into this new religion where they're all equal and no one's especially right over the other so they use religion but yet yeah, they're using science as well and they did think also of giving UFOs invading and all this kind of stuff all all different ideas that might be used on the public if necessary to get us to rush along in a panic into this brave new world and uh, religious themes certainly were thought of as being used now there's Nicole in uh, Manitoba, are you there Nicole? Hello Nicole? Has she dropped? Oh, okay, she's coming Hello? Hello, yes Hi, Hi Alan, Hi. it's good to talk to you thank you so much for taking my call um, I just wanted to say that your books, 
um, are really good. I ordered them, and I also like the DVD that came with it. It was really, really interesting, and anybody out there who hasn't ordered it, I highly recommend it. Um, and I'm planning on ordering your new book and your new DVDs, too. Um, I hope everything in Ontario is going okay. How are, are you getting sprayed a lot there recently? I sprayed incredibly. This morning, there was this, um, like, spider webby stuff that came down. It was all over the clothing I had hanging up to dry. And, uh, like, like short fibers, an inch long, uh, most of them just covered all over the, these sheets I had hanging up. Yeah. yeah, in Manitoba last week, we really, really got doused for about five or six days straight. Today, there seems to be a bit of a break. Um, I just wanted to ask you about Foucault. When I hear you talking sometimes, um, you, you remind me almost of, um, of Foucault. And I was just wondering if, he, if you've read his works or if he influenced you in some way. Or I, I haven't, to be honest with you. Because um, he talks comes... about power and knowledge and the power yeah. knowledge couplet and... Yes, um, I, I think if you're on the right journey, society. yes, whatever you're on the right journey, you'll always go through the same uh, thinking mode as you do your searching, and hopefully you come to the same conclusions, which leads you to a form of integrity for yourself. You realize you've got to have it for yourself above everything else, and, and that's how you win all battles, individually and collectively. Uh, society today has been made to be, as I say, apathetic, and they'll actually cheat on each other in many, many different ways in this uh, rat race system. So the, the, the regaining of integrity and morality, and morality isn't the cultural morality that's fed to you in any era. There's a natural mor morality, and they also call that a law of nature. Um, it's quite simple to see that if you break the laws of nature, you have chaos. And those who understand this can also use those laws of nature and break them for you or help you to break them by encouraging certain behaviors and then we all end up suffering so they use the, these techniques so yeah on your searches through uh, for meaning and and purpose you generally will end up uh, along the same path if you're on the right path you'll end up on that same path that others have trod before but so thanks for calling Queuing in. and from Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, where they're spraying the blazes of the sky right now, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.